Uh, last week I started this series on who is Jesus. Who did Jesus say that he was? Now I know who a lot of other people said Jesus was, but who did Jesus actually say that he was? Uh, and uh, last week we talked about he said that he was the light of the world. Now one of the things that we talked about was, was that Jesus was either exactly who he said he was or he was a total nut job. And it's kind of the line in the sand. It, like we talked about last week, you can go and you can uh, talk in the break room at work all day long about God. Amen. You can talk about how good God is all day long. You can talk about how much you love God. And everybody in the break room will be right with you. But I said last week, if you at some point just kind of shift that around and just slip Jesus in there, all of a sudden everybody that was right along with you, they will all get uncomfortable all of a sudden, amen. They will all get nervous. And why is it? Why does the name of Jesus carry that power? It's because even the Father himself said, I have given him the name which is above every name, that at his name every knee should bow and every tongue should confess, amen. So even the Father set Jesus up that the name of Jesus, it says the very demons in hell will tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen. So even the Father himself said, I am lifting the name of the Son up. Amen. And that's why, again, you can talk about God all day long, but I'll tell you who is connected to the Son, Jesus, and that is the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, when you start talking about Jesus, I'll tell you what happens in that break room or wherever you're at is the Holy Spirit enters that room. Amen. And when the Holy Spirit enters that room, all the other spirits in that room, and you may say, well, now, Mark, you're getting off in a little bit of that weird stuff, that ghost hunter stuff, amen? No, there is a spiritual realm, amen? The Bible talks very clearly about it, that there is spiritual warfare and that there is a spiritual realm going on all around us. Even in this room right now, there are legions of angels and legions of demons trying to get to us and trying to distract us and trying to get our mind on something else. I wonder when... Uh, I wonder if Whataburger's running on time today and how they're going to serve today. And I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder what the blue plate special is down there. And uh, uh, did I leave the oven on? Did I leave the coffee pot on? The devil and all these demons here, they want to distract you from hearing what God wants to tell you this morning. They want to distract. Maybe you're here and you're lost today. The devil really wants you to not pay attention. The devil really wants to distract you. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to recommit yourself to Christ because you've wandered away from him. The devil wants to distract you. He wants to keep your mind on something else. Amen. And so this spiritual warfare that goes in, when you enter that break room at work, the Holy Spirit, when you say Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters that break room. And here's what's going to happen. Every unsaved person in that room is carrying another spirit. And it is not a spirit of God. It is a spirit of Satan. And the minute that you come in and you start talking about Jesus, those other spirits get extremely uncomfortable. And those other spirits say, you know what, buddy, we need to leave the room. We, we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear all that garbage. We just need to leave the room. And I'm here to tell you that is spiritual warfare going on all around us. All right? So he is the light of the world. He's the name above every name at which every knee is going to bow. It doesn't matter if you refuse. Let me say to everybody in this room right now, if you refuse to believe that there is a God, if you call yourself an atheist, God bless you. I'm glad you're in church. No better place to be. Amen. We welcome you here. Amen. If you can't come to, uh, if you can't come to the house of God and say, you know what, I, I kind of question and I want to I get some answers. Where, where would you need to be? That's like the person who comes to me and says, Brother Mark, you see that person sitting over there? 
they were in the bar last night. First question is, what were you doing in the bar, and how did you see them? Amen. But you know what my response to that is? Woo! Well, praise God. Amen. Because what better place for the drunk to be than the house of God? Amen. You may say, well, Brother Mike, that guy over there, you know, you see that guy right over there? He was smoking one of them funny cigarettes last night. Amen. And I say, whoo, praise God. Amen. What better place for that guy to be than right here? He might find something that gets him even higher right here in the house of God, the spirit of God. Amen. So, you know, we want to put these things and we want to say, well, you got to get yourself clean and you got to get cleaned up on the outside before you can enter these doors. We have a country club mentality to the church, unfortunately, don't we? Whether we realize it or not. And I'm here to tell you, thank God he allows sinners. Because I am, as Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Thank God he allows sinners. Amen. Thank God he allows people who do not have their act together. Thank God he allows people who are working on their hundredth chance and their thousandth chance and their millionth chance. Amen? Amen? Thank God he loves us enough. I say bring them in. Bring them in. What does the song say? Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in from the fields of sin. Amen? But the church has become this country club mentality where well, you know, if you don't look just right and you're not wearing the right clothes and you don't know the, the lingo and the jargon and if you don't know everything just right, you need to get everything straightened out before you come in those doors. And unfortunately, that's what most of the world thinks. That's why they don't come. Do you see anybody beating those doors down? Non-believers, people outside the church trying to get in here? No, no. You must go out and bring them in. Bring them in from the fields of sin. Now, I can guarantee you this one thing. If you don't open your mouth, they're not coming. If you don't invite them, they're not coming. Now, I'm saying this leading up to Easter. Again, people will say yes that have never said yes before on Easter. So what is your job and my job? Bring them in. Bring them in. But you've got to open your mouth. You've got to open. Maybe you say, well, Mark, I'm not comfortable sharing the gospel. I don't care about that. Bring them in. I'll share the gospel. I got this whole stage for 30 minutes. I'll share the gospel. Amen. If you get them here and you put their, excuse my language here, but if you put their butt cheeks in the seat, I'll make sure they get the gospel. Amen. You didn't expect to get that from the preacher this morning, did you? Amen. But I'm just going to, I'm just kind of guy just tells it like it is. If you'll get them in the doors and if you'll get them planted in one of those chairs, I will share the gospel. Amen. And they will be captive for 30 minutes. Amen. <laughs> That's what we need to do, amen? That's what we've got to do. I'm going to share with you today, Jesus, another one of the statements that he said that he was, he said, I am the good shepherd. All right, so I'm going to look at three scriptures here. They're all from John chapter 10. Let's start with John chapter 10, verse 11. All right, it says this. This is coming from Jesus' mouth himself. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Aren't you glad? He is the good shepherd, and you and I are sheep. Now, I'm fixed, I'm gonna, in a little bit, I'm going to give you uh, four characteristics of sheep, and they're not good. I don't know if you know anything about sheep, but they're pretty dumb, they're pretty stupid, and they're pretty stanky, and uh, they're just not, they're not good. I mean, they are not the smartest animals have you ever, and I'll just put it this way, have you ever seen a trained sheep? No. 
You know why you've never seen a trained sheep? Because they're dumb as dirt. Amen. And they're stupid and they're stubborn and they will not do what you tell them to do. All right. So that's just a little precursor to where we're going with this. All right. So we are the sheep. He is the good shepherd. Then look at John chapter 10, verse 1. It says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, then the same is a thief and a robber. Now, one of the things I said last week was Jesus himself said this. And again, people say he was a prophet. Well, if you're a prophet, the first indication of a prophet is that everything that comes out of his mouth is true and proven. And the minute that you realize that that was not the word of God and the prophet lied, you stone him to death. So many, many, many people who are not believers and who are not Christians will say, well, Jesus was not the son of God, but he was a prophet. Well, that can't even be true. Because if he was a prophet, this came out of his mouth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, how many? No man comes to the Father except through me. Is he a prophet? Most assuredly. Is he the Savior and the Son of the Son of God? Most assuredly. But you cannot say one without the other. If he was a prophet, then everything that came out of his mouth was true, and that came out of his mouth. And he said, there are no other roads. There is no plan B. There is no plan C. There is no other way. All roads do not lead to heaven. He said, there is one road that leads to heaven. And he said, I am that way. You cannot get to the Father except through me. Now, what he's saying here is, if he proclaims himself as a good shepherd, he's also proclaiming that there must be other shepherds. And what does that mean about them? They are not the good shepherd. They are bad shepherds. We call those, in the Bible, it calls them false prophets. I will say, we'll call it in our day and time, false teachers who want to say there are other ways to heaven except by the gospel. Can I tell you today, if you read your Bible, there is only one true good news gospel, and that is that Jesus came and he died for you and he spilled his blood for you on the cross, and the only way is through him and accepting what he did for you on that cross. His blood is where your salvation was earned. Not your good works, not your good deeds, not who your daddy was, not who your grandpa was, it is by you and you alone humbling yourself. And there's a dirty word today. You must humble yourself at the cross. And most people see that as weakness. And I'll tell you the very reason a lot of people don't want to come to Christ is that right there. They don't want to humble themselves, and they don't want to admit that I need a Savior. Because that's his weakness. And I don't want somebody else to be in control. I want to be in control. Can I tell you this? Everybody in this room, now it's to varying degrees, but you've heard me say this before. Everybody in this room has control issues. That did not get an amen. Everybody in this room has some control issues. We like to be in control. I'll admit it. I like to be in control. I like to, you know, I like to direct things and be, you know, now I'm not, I'm not wired to be one of those extreme ones. Some of you, you got a lot more of it than others. Some of you can't stand it. If you're the one in the room and you're not controlling it, even some of you, even if there's 30, 40, 50 people, other people in the room, if you're not the one controlling it, you don't like it, and you're going to stay there long. Amen? When you walk into the room, 
You want all attention to come to you, and you want to be calling the shots. Amen? Now, am I saying there's anything wrong with that? No. God wired all of us a certain way. But I'm here to tell you, when you come to the cross, it is not about you. When you come to the cross, you better lay that down. When you come to the cross, you are not calling the shots. When you say, it is not about me, it is not about my good deeds, it is not about my good works, you are no longer calling the shots. That's you stepping back and handing Jesus the keys and saying, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. You're calling the shots. Because if you've got any sense at all, look at me. If you've got any sense at all, you know that when you call the shots, it's a royal mess. I know that. Anytime I say, God, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got this. It's a total mess. Amen? And I'm here to tell you, the only way for it not to be a total mess is for you to just say, Lord, you know what? We're in the ditch now. Lord, I have just drove in the car. I just drove the car into the ditch. So I tell you what, Lord, we're in the ditch right now. I'm going to open this door. I'm going to get out of the driver's seat. Jesus, would you scoot over? You get over there. I'm going to go get in the passenger seat. And, Lord, would you now get us out of the ditch? And guess what? Jesus doesn't have any problem getting you out of the ditch, does he? Who's in control? I would say the greatest deterrent to most people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is pride and lack of humility. If you're a prideful person today, listen, we live in Texas. Here I am, a Texan, talking about pride. In the great state of Texas, we've been taught to be proud, hadn't we? In, in the great state of Texas, it's, bless God, you got to make your own way, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I'm here to tell you, nothing wrong with that to a certain point, all right? But I'm here to tell you that Jesus said, you need me. You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and you all need a Savior. Amen? And you must lay it down and admit that you need a Savior. Otherwise, you're never going to come to me. You will never accept Christ as your Lord and Savior unless you admit, number one, that you're a sinner, and number two, that you need a Savior. All right? All right. And then we all know John chapter 10, verse 10. Those false prophets and those false teachers, they are helping not the cause of Christ. They're helping the cause of Satan. Any church that you go to, anybody that tells you there is another way or that all good people go to heaven, I'm here to tell you that is a bad shepherd. And they are leading you. They are a thief and a robber, according to that last verse we read. Amen. They are a thief and a robber. And they are not helping the cause of Christ. They're helping the cause of Satan. Because here's what John 10, 10 says. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. Can I tell some of you today, the enemy is trying to get victory in your life. And it's up to you whether you let him or not. The enemy wants to destroy. Let me just start right here. The enemy wants to destroy every marriage in this room. I want to just stop on that one right there and let that sink in. The enemy wants to destroy every single marriage in this room. He'll start at the top, and he'll start between spouses. And he'll try to do a good job there, and maybe he does. Maybe that doesn't quite work. Then he'll move down to the family. He'll move down to your relationship with your kids, and he'll start to mess with that. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy that. And then he will move into your, relation, your other relationships. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, especially any godly relationship that you have. 
He wants to steal it, kill it, and destroy it. And then he lets it come in that door right there. How many of you think that the devil is in church today? <laughs> you better raise your hand. The devil is in church today. <coughs> the devil <coughs> just made me choke because he didn't like what I said. <coughs> the devil does not like what goes on in here, does he? I'm trying to give you some truth, and the devil doesn't like it. And so he's here, his angels are here, demons, and again, they're trying to distract you with every point. They're trying to distract you from really getting the true message of the gospel. They are trying to steal your mind. If your mind is on lunch, then he is stealing where your mind needs to be. Amen? So he wants to steal, kill, and destroy Listen, the devil is more in church. I've had more ungodly, nasty things said to me in the church than anywhere else. You think the devil doesn't use you? I'm here to, I'll even make a confession. The devil will use me sometimes. You say, well, Mark, what do you mean? You're the preacher. See if this has ever happened to you. Sometimes I think I'm trying to be funny. Sometimes I think I'm trying to be cute. And I will say something to maybe my family member or a church member. And in the guise of trying to be funny and cute, I may say something that hurts somebody's feelings and offends somebody. Now, what have I just done? I've just allowed the devil to use me. I've just allowed the devil to use my mouth. I've just allowed the devil to use a bad thing that I have. And sarcasm, I love you. I love sarcasm. Uh, you know, sarcasm... Uh, my daddy passed it down to me. Amen. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift, but it's a curse. Amen. Because sarcasm will get you in trouble. Amen. We think we're so funny and so cute, and all we end up doing is hurting people. And we wound people, and words wound people. And the devil will use my mouth. He'll use your mouth. He will use it right here in this setting, right here in the doors of this church. Amen. I can even say something I didn't intend it that way, and the devil will twist it between my mouth and your ears. And you'll hear it and you'll go, what did Brother Mark mean by that? I'm, I'm offended. I, don't, I can't go to church anymore. And then you leave. I never hear from you again. Call you on the phone. What's wrong? Oh, nothing's wrong. We just, uh, and then, uh, you know, I say, well, man, if you're not going here, I hope you're going somewhere. Well, no, I'm afraid in the back of your mind you're saying, well, no, I'm afraid I'll get hurt down there too. So probably just best for me to just sit at home and watch it on TV. And then you get to where... Maybe I'm not even doing that anymore. I'm not even watching on TV. And your relationship with the Lord goes downhill. And all the devil had to use was somebody's mouth. And somebody's saying the wrong thing. In the guise of trying to be funny or trying to be cute. Amen. And that's why last week I told you, don't you dare put your eyes on me. We have to keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Because I will admit to you, I will let you down. I will let you down. I am made out of flesh and blood, and I will let you down. Every person in this room, they're lovely, lovely people, but they will let you down. The only one that will not let you down is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. I told you I was going to tell you about sheep. Here's the things about sheep. Four things about sheep. Four challenges of being a sheep, and I got bad news for you. This is you and me. Number one, write these down, or you can take a picture up there, whatever, uh, whatever works for you. Number one, sheep get lost easily. 
The Bible says it this way. All we like sheep have gone astray. All right. So sheep get lost easily. That's why they need a shepherd in the first place. They get lost easily. They do not have a good sense of direction. And they need a shepherd to constantly corral them. Now, we were talking about this Wednesday night. We happened to read about uh, the good shepherd uh, Wednesday night in our Bible study. And I said, Julie and I got the chance. We asked the bus driver to find us a sheep herder and some sheep. And it took until the last day for that bus driver to find us one. But we finally found one. And it was a little teenage boy. And uh, that was his family's uh, flock of sheep. And he was watching them. And he had the staff and the whole thing just like you read about. And uh, I'm here to tell you, we got to talk with that boy a little bit. And he's like, uh, that staff had a big old knot on the end of it, and we just were conversing with him. And he's like, uh, you know, what's that for? And he's like, well, this is when they get out of line because they get out of line or they don't want to follow me, and the one that gets out of line, I just kind of give him a little rap on the head. Amen. And he said, then they, that kind of gets their attention, and they fall back in line because they like to wander off. Okay, number two, sheep are defenseless. Do sheep have fangs? Do sheep have claws? Do sheep have... Even sharp teeth. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. They're completely defenseless. And I'm here to tell you, sheep, you are completely defenseless. The enemy has no problem getting his hooks in you and making you do exactly what he wants you to do without God on your side. When you don't have the protection of God on your life, you are open prey. And the enemy will still kill and destroy anything and everything that he wants to from you. Okay, number three, sheep are very stubborn. Oh, now, Brother Mark, you're getting a little personal, amen? Uh, but we are. We're very stubborn, aren't we? We like doing things our way, and again, that's why that pride and humility comes in. We are very stubborn. Um, let's see here. Let me read my own writing here. There are no good people. Um, you know, many, many people want to say, well, you know, I really want to do better. Um, maybe you're a single woman, and you say, well, Brother Mark, there's just no good guys out there. And I would say, uh, well, where are you looking? Where are you fishing? Amen. Oh, well, I'll go down there to the bar. Amen. That's where, that's where most of them are. Go go down there to the bar. You ain't going to catch nothing good in the bar. Amen. You are defenseless, and you're stubborn, and you want to do it your own way. And I'm here to tell you, you need to do it God's way. Amen. You're def defenseless. If you go in the bar looking for somebody, you're going to get exactly what you paid for. Amen. You're going to get some guy that God is the last thing on his mind. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, don't be defenseless and don't be stupid and don't be stubborn. Amen. If you're an alcoholic, you got no business being in the bar. Amen. If you're looking for a good Christian guy, you got no business looking in those places. Amen. Look in God's house. That's where you will find the guys that have those things right. Amen. Where did I find my wife? Amen. Here's the greatest advertisement in the world. I got the best looking woman in the building. Amen. Where did I find her? Down there at the bar. Yeah, how'd you know? No, no. I found her in God's house. Amen. If you want something good and godly, go somewhere where something good and godly is going on. Now, I'm not saying good and godly people because we're not always, amen, but go where something good and godly is going on, all right? And then last thing, sheep are filthy. We are dirty. Can I tell you this today? In your sin, you're dirty. I'm dirty. I have the dirt of the sin of the world on me, and I'm here to tell you, you know, we see these sheep on TV, and they look so white and pristine and snow white. 
if you go look at real sheep, uh-uh. They are nasty, 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 and they stink, and they got no way to clean themselves, all right? And they are covered in dirt, all right? All right, so we need Jesus. What does the good shepherd do? I'm going to give you four things, and then we're going to be done today, all right? Four things that the good shepherd does, all right? Number one, he guides, all right? Here's the scripture. We got scripture for each one. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And then verse 4, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before him, before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So those sheep, the only voice they know is that shepherd's voice. They are with him constantly, and when he talks, they listen. And so everything is done through that shepherd. Now, can I tell you this today? If you don't really know the Lord and you have a hard time hearing his direction, it may be because you don't know him well enough. If you want to hear the voice of God and the Bible says he comes like a whisper, then that means i got to be pretty close to you. Uh, you know, if uh, Brother Mark Gimble back there, if he starts saying something to me in a whisper from right here, I'm not going to be able to hear him. And so I'm going to step down. I'm going to say that again, Mark, and he still speaks in a whisper. And i got to move closer and closer. I'm not going to be able to hear what Mark's trying to tell me until I get right up next to him. All right? If you want to hear the voice of God, you got to get closer to him. And you got to spend time with him. I could walk into a room. My lovely wife over here, she's getting picked on today, but that's all right. Amen. Uh, I could walk into a room, and if 50 other of you other women were with her in this room, and it was 50 women in this room, I could walk in blindfolded, and I bet I could pick out my wife by the sound of her voice. Why is that? Because I have spent many, many hours with her. I've heard that voice a lot. Amen? Uh, she's like most women. She likes to talk. I, like, I love to listen. Amen? Do you believe that? I do. I do. I love to listen. Amen? And so I hear her voice a lot. I am very, very familiar with her voice because I spend an immense amount of time with her. If you ask yourself today and you say, man, I just don't know. I don't, it seems like I don't really hear the Lord. Maybe you need to move closer to him. Maybe you need to spend more time with him. Get to know his voice. Know him intimately, all right? So number one, the good shepherd guides. Number two, the good shepherd provides, all right? And many of you know this, the 23rd Psalm, one of my favorites. The 23rd Psalm in verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And he restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Is that powerful? The Lord loves you. The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd will literally lay down its life for the sheep. It will protect them from wolves and wild animals. You remember King David? King David became famous because he would fight off lions and bears and kill them with his bare hands to protect his sheep. All right? The shepherd loves you more than you will ever know. And he promises that you will want for nothing. Go back to verse 1. He, you will want for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God will provide everything you need. Did I say God will give you everything you want? No. 
I believe God will meet your needs, and he will give you everything you need. And if he don't give it to you, you probably didn't need it. It was probably going to be bad for you in the end, all right? So I shall not want. Um, here's one thing. Uh, go to the second verse. It says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leaves me beside still waters. Did you know this? Sheep, I, I started reading facts on sheep, and here's a fact of sheep. A sheep will not lay down when they're tense, when they're hungry. If anything is wrong, they have to be completely relaxed. And the sheep are standing most of the time. If you go again and you find a shepherd with a sheep, most of the time they're standing because there's something going on or they're moving or they're just they're tense. All right, A sheep will not lay down until it's completely secure and completely at peace. And only then and only then will a sheep lay down. So this is a great verse here. The Lord will meet all your needs. You don't have to worry about a thing. He will take your worry. He will take your stress. Oh, good people, let me give you a word for today. Give your anxiety to the Lord. Is anxiety a, a trigger word today? Yeah, you bet it is. Give your anxiety. Give your worry. Give your depression to the Lord. And he will put you at peace, the peace that passes all understanding. And he says, I will give you so much peace that I will let you lie down in green pastures. You'll be so at peace that you will lie down in green pastures. And then he leads me beside the still waters. Did you know if you lead a sheep to rushing water, it will not drink the water? It's too scared. Sheep, not only are they stupid, but they're also very scaredy. And it doesn't take much to set them at ease. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like us as human beings? Amen. They're very anxiety-driven. And so if the water is rushing too much and it's making too much noise, the sheep will not drink the water. So what does a shepherd know to do? I don't lead them to a river or a stream that's rushing water. I lead them beside still waters. Yes, thank you for that. Amen. Uh, I, I will lead them beside still waters. And the shepherd knows that the sheep will calm down and the sheep will drink, and the sheep will be taken care of, okay? All right. Um, man, awesome. Third thing that the shepherd does is he corrects. Now, I already told you about the shepherd having the big knot, having the staff and the big knot on the end of it, all right? Uh, let's see what he does. All right, he corrects. Uh, it is from John, Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says this, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Do what? Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Now, this verse is a little confusing. The Lord bruises, but he binds up. The Lord wounds, but his hands make whole. The Lord doesn't mean me any harm, does he? Let me give you a little story again in my research about sheep. If a sheep is constantly straying away and the shepherd is constantly having to work on that one sheep, you know what the shepherd will do? And we've probably all seen this picture hanging in the church somewhere. Have you ever seen the picture of Jesus and he's got a little sheep and he's got it over his shoulders? You know what that's from? The, she the shepherd, if the sheep keeps wandering away and... and the shepherd knows if that sheep keeps wandering away, a wolf's going to get it, a bear's going to get it, it's going to be dead, and something's going to get it. So the shepherd loves the sheep so much that he takes that big knot on that rod and he cracks the leg of that sheep. He breaks the leg of the sheep so that the sheep can no longer walk. 
And then what does the shepherd do? And this is where that picture comes from. He picks that sheep up, puts it around his shoulders, and he lovingly carries that sheep. And by the time that leg heals, that sheep will no longer wander away. It has become intimately connected to the shepherd, and it will not stray away from the shepherd. The leg had to be broken. This is what it means. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands will make you whole. Do not think, dear one, that the Lord does not have a woodshed. I know we preach a lot about grace and mercy, amen, and thank God for his grace and mercy. But don't you dare think that the Lord does not have a woodshed and that he will not discipline you. In fact, the Bible says about the only way you can be assured of being a child of his is if you get disciplined. Because he doesn't discipline those children that aren't his. All right? So it is a good thing. The discipline of God is a good thing. I don't like to go to the woodshed. You don't like to go to the woodshed. But it is a good thing. Amen? When the leg is broken, when it heals, I'm intimately connected to the Father. You know when I've got most intimate with the Father? You know when I've gotten the closest to God is when my heart's been broken. Or I've been wounded. Or my spirit's been broken. And then the Lord has to come in and he has to pick me up and carry me. And when that finally heals over, I'm a little closer to the Father. I'm a little more intimately involved with him. Amen? All right. And then the last thing he does is that the, the good shepherd protects. And the scripture to go with that is Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6. And it says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop right there. Didn't you just tell me he's going to break my leg with that rod and staff? Yes. Yes. But here he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fact that you will discipline me brings comfort to me, brings peace to me, because it means I know that I'm your child and you love me. Amen. And then let's go on. Verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. We read this scripture Wednesday night, that it says that the shepherd, the good shepherd, will leave the 99 sheep to go get the one sheep that's gone astray. And you know when that really matters is when you're the one. When you're one of the 99, you're like, where is he going, and why is he going after that one? But when you're the one who's strayed away and you're the one that you need the shepherd to come look for you and pull you out of danger, that means everything in the world, that the good shepherd will leave the 99 to go get the one who's gone astray. Amen. And he will protect you. And I want to end with this. Uh, and then it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this anointing with oil, there's another picture of this too, with sheep and a shepherd. Uh, with sheep, they get, they're out there in the field and they get nasty and they will get flies in their nose, insects in their nose. And again, because sheep have no defense mechanism, uh, the insects will get up in their nose and their navel cavities and sometimes even affect stuff going into their brain. And so about the only way to help that sheep is you take pure oil and you anoint that sheep's head with oil and then the insects will stay away. You anoint the head with oil, you rub it all over the nose, and the insects will stay away, and it will protect the sheep. He anoints your head with oil. I'm here to tell you, God loves you so much. Julie, if you would come on.
There's one more scripture that I want to share with you uh, from Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. Go ahead and pull that one up. It says, and this is where that comes from. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Verse 5 says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You would, bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe today you are that sheep that's lost. I'm here to tell you today, God loves you so much. And if you've wandered away from him, it's okay. He loves you, and he cares about you so much. And the wonderful thing about our Father, the Good Shepherd, is he is always waiting with arms open wide. All you have to do is surrender and just come back to him. But maybe today you'd say, Mark, I, I, you know, I've never given my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I've always thought it was about my good deeds outweighing my bad deeds. I've always thought it was about being a good person or how many good deeds I could do. I've always thought it was about my works. And I'm here to tell you today, maybe you've realized for the first time today, it's not about any of that. I just need to humble myself and give Jesus permission to take over my life. Or maybe today you've done that before, but you're saying, you know what? I have wandered, wandered, wandered. I'm that sheep that's wandered far away, and I need the good shepherd to come get me. I need the good shepherd to come get me. So if you would, I always want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, one of those situations today, I want to give you an opportunity. Would you just pray this prayer with me in your heart and in your mind? And just say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of all mankind. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart to forgive me and save me. Lord, I give my heart and my life to you. Take control. Now, every head still bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe it's a prayer of rededication uh, for the hundredth time, doesn't matter. Uh, I want to pray for you. Would you just slip up a hand if you prayed that prayer today for the first time? All right. I want to. I want to just ask you to be bold enough, if you would. I'm just going to invite. We we have an invitation here. I'm going to invite you if you just raised your hand to just come here if you would and just let people rejoice with you over that decision, whether it be a rededication or the first time. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to stand and come on right now if you would. If you prayed that prayer, you're rededicating yourself, or if you uh, if you prayed it for the first time, just come on down. Come on down. Thank you, brother. Come on down. If you raised your hand, come on down. also want to open up this time opportunity. I know we've had some people visiting our church. If you would like to come and join our church, maybe you would say this is the place where we believe 
God is having us to plant, and we want to join in. We want to put our our spot in here and, and work together for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to invite you to come now if you'd like to join the church. These folks have come, and uh, I just wanted to share with you, and I, I, again, I, it's not our goal to embarrass anybody, but I just know that you want to rejoice with people. When they make a decision for the Lord, there is nothing to be ashamed of. The Bible says that we should never be ashamed of Him because He won't be ashamed of us one day when we stand before Him. Amen. Uh, so we've got uh, Matt here uh, coming to rededicate his life. We've got uh, Kayla coming here to rededicate her life. And we have uh, Camille and Monty coming to join our church today. Amen. Would you give all these a big hand if you would? Thank you. And, uh, man, I want to tell you, this is, uh, I believe this is a great thing. I believe God is moving in our little church. And uh, I'm excited about Easter Sunday. I hope you come. You know what? For Christians, Easter Sunday should be like the Super Bowl. Amen. That should be our Super Bowl as Christians. So please go invite somebody. Bring them with you next Sunday. I'd love to see us pack this place out for Easter Sunday. And I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to dismiss us in prayer. Uh, but I wanted these to just kind of stay here because I would love for you to come. Just encourage them. Shake their hand. Tell them how proud you are of them. It's not easy to come and, uh, and do these things. So uh, I just want you to be able to encourage them. Uh, not just me, okay? So let's pray together, and uh, then you can be dismissed. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and grace. Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you love us, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, even though we're like sheep and we've all gone astray, and, God, many times we don't do the right thing, we make bad decisions, we go our own way, God. I pray, Lord, I thank you that you're a good shepherd who loves his sheep. And that, God, you, would, you literally came and you literally laid down your life for us. And thank you for these this morning and said, you know what, I accept that. And I want to live my life for him and I want him to be in control. And uh, so, Lord, thank you for Monty and Camille coming and, and uh, bringing, uh, Lord, their talents and their gifts here to be a part of our church. And just thank you for these folks that came this morning, Lord. And I pray that, God, you'd help us have a great day in you. When we go out of these doors, it's our mission field. And, God, I pray for Easter Sunday, God, that every single church in town would just be packed to the gills, Lord. And, uh, Lord, that uh, many would come to know you, many would be saved, and many would come back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. You are dismissed. Come if you would and come uh, tell these guys how proud you are of them.